Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? All right, let's get this out of the way. Go dogs! Man, I'm sure glad that Jesus didn't make me eat crow this week. Man. All right, so if you're brand new to Journey, we want to say thanks for being here. I'm Bobby Smith. I'm the lead pastor here. I had the privilege of being off last week, and you had the privilege of hearing uh, Pastor Keith, our Sherwood campus uh, director, um, pastor down there, and he did a great job, and he talked about Transformed. He opened the series. That's what we're in. We're in a series called Transform, and he talked about transforming habits. It was so appropriate being, you know, the first week of January and everything. Um, but here's the deal today. We're going to talk about something that's difficult, and it's a hard, it's a hard topic. And so um, when we kind of unpack today, um, I want us to understand, I want us to be grace-filled and understand that the guy on the stage doesn't have it all together, amen? And you don't have it all together either, right? And so today we're going to talk about the concept of transformed forgiveness, what would happen if we had trans? Because the, the kind of the base level scripture that we're talking about is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. And just stop there for a second. Think about the behaviors of this world. We live in a cancel generation. We cancel everybody. You know, just this past week, we've probably watched three or four people on social media get canceled for whatever reason. I was w- watching a, a, a telecast, and I am not in agreement with, but, but a guy by the name of Skip Bayless was very um, uninformed and insensitive. Uh, uh, about a comment that he made on a sports program, ESPN or Fox or whatever it was. And right away, everybody, before they even got an explanation, right away, everybody tried to cancel him. And that's the generation we live in. But, but the Bible says that we're supposed to be different from the world. So what does that look like? So we don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into the new person by changing the way we think. And so it all starts here. Now, it really all starts with allowing God to permeate our thoughts, right? So it's one of the, that's, that's the baseline, but it's the way we think, okay? It says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect, okay? And tomorrow, a lot of us are going to have the day off. We're celebrating a great a person in history, Martin Luther King. And I, I love all the quotes, but my favorite quote that he's ever come out with says this, forgiveness is not an occasional act. It's a constant attitude. It's something we have to constantly do. Alexander Pope said it like this, to err is human, to forgive is divine. Now, I don't know how many uh, or how much time you spent in God's word. I try to spend a lot of time in God's word. But what I've realized is if you read the teachings of Jesus, if you kind of look at his teachings, his baseline teachings, he's a lot different than the world that, that he was living in. He's a lot different than the world that we're living in. He teaches something di- different. It's transformed uh, us into what he wants us to be. But back then, it was drastically different. And so there's so many different aspects to forgiveness that Jesus talked about. And we could literally do a whole series on this. But today, I just want to kind of kind of walk through it a little bit. But Matthew chapter 6, 14 is a passage that I've read a lot. It says, um, if you forgive those who sin against you, this is Jesus teaching. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. So the amount of forgiveness that you give to other people will be in relationship or a ratio to how much forgiveness you get. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. That's pretty, pretty transformable, right? It's pretty big, right? So 
And we're gonna look at today in Matthew 18, we're gonna look at it in a minute, but Matthew 18 teaches us, it's almost a whole chapter teaches us about this concept of forgiveness. So I wanna give you today what we're gonna learn, okay? So I want you to write this down, what we're gonna learn today. We're gonna learn how much uh, we've been forgiven, first of all, and how much we need to forgive others. The second thing I believe that we're gonna learn through scripture today is we learn what it means to forgive those who have sinned against us and what true forgiveness really is. Now, I just said that phrase and said against, you know, who sinned against us, and um, probably a name or a face popped up in your mind, right? And you're going, oh, Pastor Bobby's going to really step on my toes about this one today, isn't he? Well, no, God's word's going to do that for me. But something popped up because you want to know something. If you're married, you need to understand forgiveness. Wow. That's really a bold move, Cotton. I mean, that's, hey, if you work in the workplace, you need to learn forgiveness, right? I mean, if you live in this world, if you go to an HOA meeting, you need to understand what forgiveness is. Because people just, I can't say the word stupid because there's kids in here, but some people are just foolish, right? So that's what we're going to learn today. So the question is this. How do you do it? How do you offer forgiveness? How do you forgive others the way God's forgiven us and the way God wants us to forgive? Let's first talk about how not to forgive because there's a couple uh, kind, of, kind of things that a lot of us struggle with with this concept. of. Here's the first thing. The first extreme is I'll forgive, but I will never forget. I, I'm, it's, like, it's like you have this spiritual abacus and you're going... That one's never going to that side. It's always going to be right over here, right? And so we feel like, you know, that's, it's interesting. I heard a story about a guy who was telling his friend, he said, you know, my wife, every time we get in an argument, she gets so, she gets so, so um, historical. And the guy said, don't you mean hysterical? I said, no, historical. She brings back everything that happened in my past. That's, that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not that you use it, and we're going to talk about this in a minute. Uh, you can't use it as leverage. If we're going to learn to forgive the way Jesus forgives us, we need to understand that there's no such thing as leverage. Now, there's the other extreme, okay? And, and some of you are going, well, Pastor Bobby, you don't know what that person, you're right, I don't know. And there is extreme, I mean, there's extremes that, we're, that we can't even, in, in 30 minutes, we can't even talk about. Like, if you're in an abusive situation, I'm not saying that you have to, like, forget everything that happened and you draw them back into your, no, that's not what I'm saying. But here's the other part. Lots of people think forgiveness, and I've watched people manipulate other people with this, is you just let me do what I want and you have to forgive me. Or, or maybe it's like this, I'll just let you run all over me because that's what forgiveness is. And that's not, somebody say amen, that's not what forgiveness is. So we're gonna look at what forg forgiveness is. And so like I said up front, I don't have this all together. As a matter of fact, you know what? I honestly don't even feel Christian enough to talk about the, the thing forgiveness. Like, like, I don't know if you guys know this, there's 10 of those big things in the, in the Old Testament, 10 of those um, commandments, right? I'm good for about six of them. The other four, I struggle, I struggle with about four or five of them. Anybody else? So it's one of those deals when we start talking about forgiveness, I don't want you to think that I've got this going, like, but let's look at God's word and let's figure out how we can, how we can apply a couple. Even if we only apply one principle to our lives about forgiveness, I believe today's been a success, okay? So here's the first thing. In order for us to understand forgiveness, we need to forget about keeping score. Did you hear me? No, you didn't. Forget about, remember I said the abacus? That's how a lot of people look at forgiveness. 
You've done all these things over here. I love it when Peter goes to Jesus and he says this in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. You're gonna wanna put your finger when I look at this whole story today. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I, I forgive someone who sins against me? And then he says this. He's trying to answer the question. He said seven times. Now, I don't know how much we know about history and it's different now than it was back then, but seven was the number of completion which meant it's God's perfect number. He completed everything he did in seven day, or six days and then he rested on the seventh day. He, he looked at the, the earth and he said it was good. He looked at man and he said it was you know, really good. So seven is the perfect number. So he was trying to go, he was trying to almost catch Jesus in this, so seven times. So after seven times, I'm done. I don't have to forgive him anymore. And Jesus says this, now, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven, meaning you can't keep count. Like you, you can't keep score. Jesus said not even, and literally, if you look at the original transcripts, he's saying this, not even 70 times seven, that you have to exceed that. Now, I'm gonna let you know something. That's hard. That, that, that's, okay, maybe just for me. And that's different. If you read verses 15, I think 15 and 19, he's talking about when a brother offends you, right? We've talked about this before. So when a brother offends you, what do you do? You go to that brother um, after you put it on Facebook, right? You put it on Facebook first, and then you go to that brother, or you, you tweet about it, right? Like how, how the social injustice of your world, like, you know, because they said something ugly about you, you know. Okay, so you put it there. But then you, the Bible says you go to your brother. And then if that doesn't work, you take somebody with you. And if that doesn't work, it says, then you take a leader of the church. And if that doesn't work, the church is to exile or excommunicate that person. They're supposed to kick them out of fellowship. I'm not talking about that because that's an unrepentant sin. Did you hear me? That's an unrepentant sin. What Peter is talking about and what Jesus is demonstrating is when there's repentance, when there's a sorrow that leads to repentance, when there's a freedom that he's trying to give to us. And so he says 70 times seven, that number's not even enough. And why does Jesus tell us, now you gotta hear this. Listen, if you don't catch anything else, catch this right now. If you're watching down in Sherwood, like latch on to this. If you're watching online, you gotta hear this. Why does Jesus say to forgive so many times? Because that's the way he forgives us. I had a conversation with somebody just before church today. And I said, it's good to see you. You know, this is when people start coming back to church. And it's good to see you. And he said, I'm along the lines of, I honestly didn't think or don't think that God can forgive me again. That I've done so many things wrong that God can never forgive me. I've, I've sat with people in my office and go, I'm worthless, I'm useless, I might as well not even be on this planet. God is done with me. There's no way, there's no way that he could ever do it. And you wanna know something? That's not the God that I serve. That's not the God that's in scripture. Listen, everybody in this room, whether you admit it or not, struggles with some type of habitual sin. See, when I first became a believer, it was smoking, it was drinking, it was all that stuff, it was cussing. You know what it is now? My attitude. It's, it's, it's what Lindsay talked about, fear, which by the way, fear is a sin. If we don't put our trust in God and understand that he is capable, more than capable, that we fall into his sin. The Bible says about worry, it says worry is, it talks about worrying being something that, that separates us from God's presence. Now I'm not talking about long-term, I'm just talking about we can't see the fullness, we ha- can't have the fullness of God when we have those kind of things in our lives. Some think there's no way, there's no way he'll forgive me again because I've failed so many times. I've heard people say, um, if people, oh man. 
You can send it to bobbysmith at journeycommunity.net when you get mad right now. I've heard people say, if you're truly sorry for your sin, you'll never commit that sin anymore. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. That's a lie. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about leaping into sin. There's some things that people leap into sin, don't they? They just, they, just, they just keep leaping into sin. They just like, this thing feels good and they leap in sin. And, and you know what a, a telltale is it? If you're leaping into sin and loving it while you're there, there's a problem, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when we lapse into sin. There's moments in all of our lives where we lapse into sin. We fall back into that old man, that carnal man. It could be anger issue. It could be an addiction. It could be whatever it is. It could be all of those things. It could be unrepentant. You know, whatever it is, we all fall. We all lapse back into those things. Don't ever believe the lie that God withholds his forgiveness from you. That's why he said 70 times seven, because that's how many times he has forgiven me. Somebody say amen to that. And he's forgiven you by the way too, right? Here's the second thing. When possible, when possible, this is hard. We said it was difficult. When possible, cancel the debt. Cancel the debt. Call it, call it, call it even. Sometimes when we forgive others, we have the power inside of us to cancel that debt out. Listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 18, 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared. Now, what did he say? The kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom. We're God's kingdom, right? And then ultimately we're gonna go to the kingdom. So he's saying in the church, in the church world, my believers, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date and the servants had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debtors who brought in, uh, who owed him millions of dollars, he couldn't pay. So the master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children and everything he owned to pay the debt. Now watch verse 26. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then the master was filled with pity and he released him and forgave all his debts. Millions upon millions upon millions of dollars were absolutely, absolutely canceled out. What if we did that with people around us? You know why we have to? By the way, that's what God did with us. Micah says it like this, Micah 7, 19. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them in the depths of the ocean. Isaiah chapter 38, 17, yet, It says, yes, this anguish was good for me for you have rescued me from death and forgiven all of my sins. My personal favorite is Psalms 103, 12. It says, he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west, meaning that he doesn't see them. He has canceled our debt. He doesn't, let me, by the way, if you keep having a recurring voice in your head, bringing up those sins that you have, that's not God's voice. That's the enemy's voice. And it's time to stop talking to him. It's, t- it's time to stop letting him live rent-free in your brain. It's time to kick him out. It's time for an eviction notice because all that stuff's not from God because God doesn't do that. He also doesn't, by the way, bring shame when we fail. He brings conviction when we fail. When God forgives us, man, I'm so thankful for this. He forgives us completely, everything. Our sins are gone. And sometimes, sometimes we're reluctant to forgive, let me tell you why. Number one reason why, because it's leverage. When we don't forgive somebody, we can use it as leverage. When we don't cancel out their debt, we can use it as leverage. I have um, had a conversation 
with a good friend of mine. He said when he first got married, um, I mean, all mother-in-laws are phenomenal, right? If you're sitting in a row with your mother-in-law, you better say it, yes. But, um, and I have a great mother-in-law, but this guy's mother-in-law was like a Sunday school teacher, very highly religious, almost a spiritual arrogance about her. And he did something wrong real early in their marriage. And he walked up to her and he said, hey, I'm sorry, I really didn't mean to do this. Would you forgive me? And this is the exact word she used, no. She said, no. Now I was thinking, I mean, Sunday school teaching all that, she's probably read a few scriptures about forgiveness, right? Unless she has a loose leaf Bible and just kind of pulls them out. But it's one of those deals, she said, no. And later in their relationship, she finally did forgive him, but she told him, she said, I was gonna use that as leverage later on down in the relationship. I've seen it happen all in marriages. I've seen it happen in all kinds of situations. When we cancel the debt, you know what happens when we say forgiveness and we cancel, when we have the ability to do that, we can't ever use it as leverage again. We can't ever bring that thing back up. If we're gonna emulate Christ, if we're gonna be Christ followers, that's what we've gotta do. Let me give you another thing. Here's the third thing. We need to hold people. Here we go, you ready? Hold people accountable. You didn't think I was just gonna be all like free grace and willy-nilly, did you? I mean, at some point, um, when, back in the early 90s, um, I was an insurance agent. I know I don't look that old. But I was, I was an insurance agent. Um, and I wanted to be a pastor. I had studied to be a pastor and I was going to a church called Church of the Harvest at the time. And I was wanting, I was on part-time staff there as a youth pastor. But I, I had to work a real job. I had to work, you know, like a hard, a hard job, like a really hard job. And I had to go at people's houses and I had to sell insurance every day and I had to pick up money and it, it, was, it was what it was. But I was sitting there one day and we had a computer room. This is long before everybody had their own computer, by the way. Like everybody in this room probably has their own computer. There was days years and years ago where you would have a computer room where there was three or four that you would go in there to get your sales done. You'd figure out, you know, your, your client list, whatever it was. And so I was in the computer room and I hear this lady, I think her name was Marsha. I hear this lady telling a, fr- a friend of hers, a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, that her husband had messed up. Her husband had had an affair and it, was, it, it ruined the marriage and how much it cost him financially and all those problems. And listen, honestly, there's people in this room, there's people watching online, there's people there. You've gone through the same exact thing. I get it. And so they were sitting there or they were kind of bickering back and forth. What, you know? And so if you ever know this, if you're a preacher or a preacher in waiting or whatever it's going to be, you're going to be asked some really tough questions. It's also like on the golf course. Anytime I tell somebody that I'm a preacher, they stop cussing that fast. Like everybody's now like, I go to, you know, so-and-so Baptist church and I'm a deacon there. You know, you just, you're hammered and just, you know, five F-bombs right there. Like, and, but so the lady goes, Bobby wants to be a preacher. Ask him what he thinks. I'm like, stop it. So now I've got to put on my whatever hat. And she goes through the whole story about how he had an affair and whatever else. And I said, do you really want my opinion? Because I don't think my opinion is going to be like, I don't think it's going to be well-received. Because there's two things you got to do. And I said the first thing. And I'll say this, maybe, maybe secretly, there's some people in this room struggling the same thing, okay? I'll give you the same advice that I gave years ago. You need extensive counseling. You'll never make it through. You'll never make it through any type of sin in a marriage without extensive counseling. And then I said this, then you have to wash away the debt. You have to, you have to free that person from that debt. She said, what are you talking about? You mean like, I've got I've to just forget. I didn't say forget it ever happened. 
I said, but you've got to free that person from that debt. You can't keep using that as the carrot over somebody because they'll never be successful in that marriage. And if you're not willing to do both of those things, your marriage is destined for failure. I'll tell you the same thing. In our lives, there's people that we've used that sin, that thing as leverage, and we can't do it. First of all, it's not the way Jesus does it with us. He never one time has brought up a past one of my sins. He's never used it as leverage. We have to cancel that debt. Now watch what happens in Matthew 18. Let's go to scripture. Matthew 18, 28. But when the man left the king, he went to the fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and he demanded instant payment. Did y'all catch that? This is the same guy that just had his debt relinquished. The, 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 the person, the, the boss man said, millions of dollars, I'll wipe it away. And now he goes to somebody else and he says, listen, he says, his fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little time, be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But the creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and he put him in prison until his debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king had called to the man or called in the man that he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servants just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. You know what that is? That's accountability. That's accountability. He was saying, listen, you're not just gonna be able to walk through the, and the lesson here is forgiveness comes with accountability every time in our lives, forgiveness. He forgave, he canceled the debt. And then he had the opportunity to do the same exact thing and he did just the opposite. And let me tell you something, that's how a lot of us drop the ball when it comes to forgiveness. We're not willing to do that same thing. Even though, even though our debt, listen to me, even though our debt has been completely wiped out, somehow or another, we want to establish some type of pecking order that abacus and we want to have control of that situation. So our option is, let's put accountability into that forgiveness. I have a, a good friend of mine. Um, she slipped into sin several years ago, and she started having an online affair, and then it ended up being a physical affair. And her husband took him back, took her back, and rest, tried to restore restoring the marriage and all that kind of stuff. But you know what they did accountability-wise? Because it started out as a, an internet thing, he has access to all of her computer stuff, has all the codes and all that. That's what I do with my wife. Not because I have an issue, because I don't want to have an issue. And so at any time, my wife can pull up my computer. She knows my password. It's a really difficult one. It's like one, two, three, four, five, six. No, it's the opposite of that. Six, five, four, no. Put, put some parameters on the forgiveness. I, I have a, a friend and a lot of us, a lot of you have, teenage kids and like, ah, wit's end, right? His kids, like his son would lie to him, like where, where he was at. And so it was like, you know, I'm going to this place. I'm going to Joe's house. And he ends up going to a party or ends up going to a, a concert. And he asked me, he said, what should I do? I said, there's this really nifty app called Life360 that you can put on your phone. You can put on his phone and you can tell that's not intrusive. You know what that is? That's protecting I don't want my kids blowing their life up. You don't want your kids blowing their lives up. Be a little intrusive every once in a while if you need to be. Be a little protective every once in a while. You know what that is? That's forgiveness with accountability. He forgave his son, but he said, we're gonna put some accountability in place. That's what we need to have happen with our lives. Let me give you the last thing. Consider, 
Consider God's mercy and how he's offered it to you in your life. And that should be the baseline, how we offer mercy, mercy to people around us. With a couple, and I'm going to say this, and this is going to sound a little arrogant. I don't mean to sound. With only a couple of brief exceptions, I haven't had a lot of trouble forgiving others. And I'll tell you why. It's because I've been forgiven. Now, there's a couple, right? I told you it was difficult. There's a couple. And here's what happens. Every time I'm tempted to hold a grudge, my heart has changed. Let me tell you why it's changed. Because I remember the debt that I have that he didn't, he didn't hold me accountable for. We sang all these songs. Remember the last song we just sang, All Hail King Jesus? And he's on the cross. Do you know why he went to the cross? So we wouldn't have a debt to pay. He paid that debt for us on that cross. He did for us. We talk about it all the time. He did for us what we can't do for ourselves. We can't go to that cross. And because of that, because of the forgiveness that's been offered to me, I have to offer forgiveness to people. And even though I continue to slip into sin, he still forgives me, doesn't he? Even though I don't deserve it, he forgives me anyway. I fail, you fail again and again in the same areas, and yet he continues to forgive me. There's no way I could ever need to forgive anyone else more than God has forgiven me. There's no way. And when I consider God's mercy in my life, I'm compelled to offer mercy to people around me. That's what happens. See, the wicked servant in this parable was punished because he was unwilling to receive mercy. He was, he was willing to receive mercy, but unwilling to give mercy out. Listen to what happens in Matthew 18. This is, kind of wraps up the whole, the whole passage. In verse 35, he said, that's what my heavenly father will do if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. It was a story to teach us what forgiveness looked like. The story is not necessarily about a good king and, and a bad servant. It's about, it's about how the father relates to us. I'll tell you one of the key things that I've been looking at scripture a lot about this, how seriously God takes forgiveness. I've said this before. If you're in a situation right now where you're not willing to offer unforgiveness, unforgiveness is holding a cap somebody captive. You're holding somebody captive. And let me tell you who that somebody is. It's you. It will burn your mind up. Unforgiveness will eat you from the inside out. So for no other reason, understand that you've been forgiven. And because of that, you need to offer forgiveness. It's not because, can I just throw, it's not because we're worthy. It's because he's merciful. And that's the way he calls us. I got a question. Would you do me a favor real quick? Just bow your heads. That's what they teach us in seminary, that you get everybody to bow their heads. And I just want you to think through something. First of all, not that I want to bring up every sin of your past, not that you have to bring up, this is not beat that testimony, but I want you to think of where you were. If you're a faith follower in Jesus Christ, where you were before you met Jesus. The depravity of our sin. A couple of weeks ago, I said, we're not that bad, but I'm gonna tell you something, we're not that good either. I mean, we're, we're never too bad that God's gonna dive into our lives and send his Holy Spirit and do something else but it's not based on us. It's based on something he's done. And maybe today you're in this place. You're right here right now. And you're going, I, I don't know that I've ever made it. I, I'm still wallowing in that stuff. Well, today 
Have a conversation with the Heavenly Father. Have, have a conversation with Him that starts out like this. I don't know everything. I don't know all the details. But God, I've made a mess of my life. And I need some help. I need to be forgiven today. Just ask Him to do that. I love Romans where it says, even while we were yet sinners far from His grace, he came to save, he came to save us. He came to save me. I think every once in a while it's healthy for us to look back and go, this is where he's brought me from. This is the place I was without him. Because then we understand what real forgiveness looks like and it reminds us of how we're supposed to act. And then here's toughie. I said it up front. You probably had that, that moment where when I said, we're talking about forgiveness today, that, that person's name, that person's face just was brought to your memory. Pray for strength. Pray, God, God do something in me. Allow me to be more like Jesus. I'm not saying you invite that person back into your life. As a matter of fact, sometimes you just have to reinvent that relationship. But God, allow me to, to offer forgiveness in the same way that you offered forgiveness to me. Heavenly Father, I pray for myself today. There's a couple situations that have happened over the years of my life that I have not, I haven't come to grips with. I haven't offered I haven't offered true forgiveness. I have no desire to maintain or restart that relationship, but I do have a desire to be right with you. So today, God, I pray as you're convicting me even right now that I would release, I would release the hurt, I would release the pain, and that I would offer forgiveness. At the end of the day, God, thank you for your son, Jesus who forgave me of all my sins. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.